It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody could ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants Mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live, the final preseason training camp edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmelk, Lance Meadow, Paul Dottino with you. The phone number, folks, is 201-939-4513. On Twitter, it's hashtag GiantsChat, or go to Giants.com slash podcast slash questions, and you can submit your questions that way as well, folks. We're going to do our 53-man roster predictions today. We'll talk about roster cuts. I have some Dave Gettleman sound for you talking about those roster cuts, and we'll kind of give you what we think is going to happen. We're going to be horribly wrong, especially this year, but we are going to do our best, which is all we can ask for. Uh, Mr. Dettino, Mr. Meadow, good afternoon. How are you today? <laughs> or morning, depending on where yeah, you are. Well, I guess. 11 is kind of <laughs> early afternoon, whatever. I don't even know what day it is, John, so don't be, don't be ashamed at all. Hey, I, I got the day of the week right, which is a big step exactly. in the right direction for me. Right direction. You're, you're we'll doing better than I am. Absolutely. Okay, yes. so guys, let's start here. Uh, we got Dave Gettleman had a chance to talk to uh, the media the other day, and he, there was a couple different long cuts that he kind of talked about which were interesting. As we were doing our you know, final 53-man roster here, I think it's kind of important to listen and learn about how he's going to treat uh, putting this roster together. So first, here's Dave Gettleman talking about putting together that final 53, uh, given that there really is no preseason to look at tape and in a real unique year. So here's the Giants general manager. I mean, it's, it's, it's a challenge. There's no doubt about it. But, I, I, you know, the, the young guys, the, the one thing that, that happened is, you know, you know, Joe and the guys did a great job with OTAs, building, building, believe it or not, building a team looking at 90 faces on a screen. They really did. And, and we were really pleased with the conditioning that these players came here. They were really in good shape. And uh, which enabled them, you know, I tell young kids all the time, you know, the, the best favor they can do themselves when they go to training camp is be in great shape because that will allow them to learn and study, learn in meetings and study at night rather than going to sleep. And these kids did that. So we got a lot of quality work. Joe, you know, Joe and the guys put them through the paces, got a lot of quality snaps. And I think that when we sit down on Friday, we're going to, you know, after the scrimmage, we're going to be able to really look at each other. And, and the one thing we talked about consistently is at the 53, I said, we have to make informed decisions. We can't, you can't do guesswork on this side. You know that. So, you know, that was a, that was a big emphasis. We want to make informed decisions that I, I truly believe we'll be able to. And then, guys, I don't have the cup, but Joe Judge was asked a few days ago about putting the 53-man roster together too. And I thought one interesting comment he made was that normally, you know, you don't necessarily want to pick the player that's the best now, but you want to pick the player that's going to be the best maybe in eight weeks. But he also said this year that formula might be a little bit different given the unique, you know, practice squad, you know, additional practice squad spots. You can store veterans on the practice squad. Maybe you might need some help right away if, if there are guys that get put on the COVID list. So, you know, again, no preseason tape. So all these things together, Lance, really makes for an interesting cauldron that the Giants have to kind of stir around to figure out 
what their best final 53 is going to be that's going to help them not only succeed this year, but in the future as well. Well, especially considering this roster is so young. What I would piggyback off of your point about the leeway that the practice squad gives you this season, I think if you are of the mindset, John, to your point, that there's a player on the roster you really like and you anticipate by the time week seven or eight rolls around they're going to be a more improved player, I think the chances of you being able to store that player on the practice squad increases this season compared to previous years because you didn't expose those players in preseason games. There's not a lot of film out there. So if they figure there's a young wide receiver where there's a lot of depth on this roster or a young corner back considering there's been a lot of transactions at that position I could see them perhaps saying hey we really like this guy right now we can't afford to put him on the 53-man roster we're confident the player's going to pass through waivers we'll bring him back to the practice squad we can maybe utilize a spot for one of the four players that we could protect on a weekly basis and by the time we get to midway through the season they'll be that much more comfortable with our scheme and our system and maybe we'll afford them an opportunity to be called up on the 53-man roster so I think decisions that you go back and forth with last season because you'd be so worried about well this guy had a good preseason game he's going to be claimed off of waivers I'm not so sure you have to go through that dancing routine this year I'm not so sure there's going to be as many headaches because I just don't think that the resources that other GMs around the league usually have don't have this season. So I think that then maybe makes some of these decisions not as tough as they normally would have been in previous years. Paul, your thoughts on how they're going to try to form this roster along with the practice squad. And then, by the way, I have a two-minute cut from Gentleman on the practice squad, so we can, we can play that next. We'll try to focus on the 53 if you can. Well, it's a great point that Lance makes and that the other 31 teams don't have nearly as much information on your training camp guys as they usually would. Obviously, no preseason tape. So he's right. The, quote, sleeper guys who suddenly starred during preseason camp, the only way that those teams know about them is if they had some kind of inclination going in and then they spent a lot of details and a lot of phone calls in terms of looking at media reports, looking at whatever small videos came out, uh, potentially making phone calls to contacts who might have been able to share some information with them. But they're not really going to have the usual training camp intel that they would have to pluck somebody off of somebody's 80-man roster so or 80-man or cut list, so to speak. So I'm with Lance on that 1,000%. But the part that is still incredibly unknown here, and it's probably more unknown than any other year, is the injuries and the conditioning because we really don't know. Like, for example, we know that the Giants gave Evan Ingram a scrimmage off the other day, last week. We know that Connolly had a number of practices where he didn't practice because they pulled him back a little bit. We don't know. Spencer Pulley missed a bunch of practices last week. We're not we're not being given because they don't have to give us detailed injury information during training camp. We don't know how many of these guys, and there are a lot of other guys too. In fact, even Martinez yesterday, John, he barely played uh, during the course of the practice and the scrimmage. Yeah, and, 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 and he had missed practice late last week as well. Right. So mm-hmm. here's my point: we know less than we ever did before about guys who are, quote, on maintenance programs, guys who are on light workload programs, and guys who may legitimately have injuries. David Sills is a wide receiver that we have we have glowed about during training camp. He has certainly showed that he has an opportunity and the talent to make it in the National Football League. But you know what? 
David Sills suddenly didn't show up, and Coach said the trainers are looking at him, and I'll let you know when I get what I get. Well, what, what does that mean? So, so David Sills' injury situation is going to dramatically affect his chances for the 53, and guess what? You and I, Lance, have absolutely no idea what's going on there. We do not. All right, so what do you guys think? Should I go get them in and talk about the waivers process first or the practice squad? Which, <laughs> which one do you want first? Well, why don't you go with the practice squad? Because okay. we were sort of highlighting that right. topic. Here we go. Plays in this is a long one, folks. It's a minute 50 seconds, but it's a lot on how you put this thing together. For the folks that don't know, the practice squad for this year is expanded to 16, and six of those players can be veterans that can have unlimited experience that you can keep um, on that practice squad, and four guys you can protect each week that can't get claimed by other teams. So it's very different. How are they going to put the practice squad together with that waiver process? Here's Dave Gettleman. Because of the protocols that are going to be in place during the season, your immediate help is going to be the practice squad guys. Because if you, if you, um, anybody you bring into your, anybody you, whether it's a waiver, a trade, a claim, uh, taking someone off a practice squad, somebody else's practice squad, or bringing in a street free agent, it's going to require time. They're, they're, they're in, they're, you can touch them, but they can't come in your building. They can't practice. So the practice squads are going to be really important, how you set those up. And it, because they are going to be, those guys are going to be your immediate help. And so people would say, well, have your workout, you know, bring people in on Friday and start the testing protocols so that you have them ready for the week. Well, you don't know what's going to happen that weekend. You don't know what position you're going to need. You know, there may be guys out there you want to work out that you can do that anyhow, you know. But at the end of the day, you're, you're, you're really ha- going to have to really f- be very intentional about your practice squad. And and the league has given us that flexibility because they're allowing us six veterans on the practice squad. They're allowing four what they call practice squad exception players, and those are guys that have some uh, NFL experience. Um, varsity experience, and you're allowed four of those. So 10 of the 16 could be guys with NFL snaps under their belt. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, but that's where your immediate help is going to come from, Patty, because anybody you get any other way, there's going to be a testing cadence. I mean, the, the protocols, testing cadence, physicals, is, it's going to be a process. And that's talking about making waiver claims over the course of the year and the importance of having guys ready to go on your practice squad. And here's Gettleman on the waiver process that's going to happen over Labor Day weekend once rosters are finalized on Saturday at 4 p.m. When the wire comes out uh, Saturday night and it's like uh, everybody's running around, it's almost like there's going to, you know, you're going to be drafted based off, off their call. If, if it's a rookie or a, or a guy who came out, in uh, 19 and got hurt in training camp and didn't practice. You're going you're, you're gonna to be basing it off college tape. That's what you're going to be. You're going to do. Obviously, with everybody else who's got time in the league, you you know you're going back. So if there's a guy who you know got drafted in 19, 18 or 19, and they played preseason but have never played varsity football, you know you've got video, you know you know NFL film to look at. But you know obviously it's very very different. And it's, it's um, you know, you're going to have to this year, with, especially with the rookies, you're going to have to really rely on your college stuff. And, we'll, and we still have, that tape's still available, Patty. You know, we still have it. So 
um, you know, that's what we'll, that's what we will be doing. Hey, so needless to say, guys, a lot going into this this year, and it's going to be very different. And to me, I think you know you're probably going to want to have some vets ready to go. And I wonder if some of these late additions, like like a John Halapio, for example, is he a guy they're going to want to put on the practice squad, right? Where maybe he's not a, a roster guy, he's somebody that still needs to learn the system. He just got here. But he's somebody that they want to get a look at before they decide they want to make him a practice squad member. Or is he going to be a regular season guy first? How many young guys do you keep? Do you make decisions on who's going to go to the practice squad simply based on who's going to clear waivers and, and who doesn't? These questions are all slightly different than they have been in years past because of all the you know things that are kind of you know in that vat that you're trying to sort through. Well, I think Dave Gettleman brought up a number of interesting points, as you hit on, John. I think number one, which ties into actually the newest addition to the roster, which has yet to be official, by the way, as we're on the air recording this podcast right now, Logan Ryan, remember, had to go through the COVID-19 protocol, and when Joe Judd spoke to the media, he made it very clear until he passes through the testing requirements, he's not going to be able to interact with the team. So that goes right into what Dave Gettleman was talking about, John, when he said, the reason why you want your practice squad to be an extension of your 53-man roster where it's a lot of players who are familiar with your system, the chances of you signing a guy on a Thursday before a Sunday game or a Friday and having him ready to go for you that weekend is slim to none. So that's more of a reason why you want to make sure, and this is just my personal opinion, I think the practice squads, when it's all said and done, I don't think there's going to be many new arrivals on teams unless you just have a love affair with this player because of Dave Gettleman's point that you loved his college tape and you never thought he was going to become available and you decided to put a claim in for him. But I think most teams are going to be of the mindset, the 16 guys we bring back, hopefully they were in camp so that if we need to call on them in week two, we don't have to worry about the player playing catch-up. Now, as far as a guy like Jalapio, I would say considering he's been on the market, John, for this long and nobody signed him probably means that if the Giants didn't elect to put him on the 53-man roster, there's probably a good chance he passes through waivers and he could return to the Giants. So I think in circumstances like that, the chances of you getting a veteran increases. But we actually talked about this, if you recall, all three of you guys, two of you guys, I should say, I'm included in the three, throughout the course of the offseason where we were speculating about trades and whether or not there would be a lot of trades, and we were saying that maybe there's going to be a more volume of trades this offseason because teams are not going to be willing to let yeah. go of veterans. We haven't seen right? it, by the way. We haven't seen it yet. We haven't. But in fairness, though, we just saw the Giants pull off a trade where they acquired Isaac Yedham from Denver. I know it was a small minor trade. It was a seventh-round pick, but I think that teams may say to themselves, we don't want to lose the veterans because they know the system so well, and we don't want to run the risk of those players being claimed. Because I think if you're going to add a new face, I think you're more likely to add a veteran versus maybe a young guy because you feel the veteran has a better chance adapting to your scheme considering he's been through multiple training camps and multiple years of NFL service versus taking a flyer on a guy that is new or just out of college. And by the way, that, that Yadam trade, I believe, is still just according to reports, Lance, just FYI. Important to clarify yes. that as well. Mm -hmm. Yep. Paul? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the only thing I would add is that, you know, we still have the problem of if you put a guy on IR, and we know that, you know, there are exceptions now, you can bring, bring a couple of guys back. The, the problem is you still have to be able to put them on your 53 before the opening day, 53. Otherwise, then they can't come back. 
Yeah, like McKinney's got to make the 53 Correct. in right. order to be placed on IR. And, Correct. And, and by the way, David Mayo would be in that category. Too. Correct. Correct. And, and that's, again, that's another whole, uh, you know, beeswax because, you know, you've got to account for it. I mean, I've, we've, all, we've all got to put McKinney on our 53. There's no way we're not going to put him on our 53. But he's probably not going to be on the field until November. And that's that stinks, but guess what? He's got to be one of the guys on the fifty-three. So the giant, you hate when that happens, when you have one of those guys or two of those guys or three of those guys, you know, in that situation come the end of August. Some teams are lucky; they don't have any of those guys. But when you have those guys, it creates another problem. Just one thing that I wanted to add to Paul's point. Unlimited amount of players can return from IR after three weeks this season. There is no limitation, unlike previous years. So, yeah, as long as they were on the fifty-three at the correct. Beginning. Yes. Now, for example, it's highly unlikely somebody's going to put eight guys on their fifty-three man roster and then place eight guys on IR. But the point is, after three weeks, so if a guy gets hurt in week one and you put him on IR, you then have an opportunity to bring him back. You don't have to worry about, oh, well, we were only able to bring two guys back. So that does give some teams a little bit more freedom and flexibility. But as you hammered out, Paul, yeah, guys like Mayo and McKinney, if they have any chance and any hope of returning this season, they have to be on the initial 53. And I actually went back and I looked at previous roster decisions for the Giants because I was trying to get clarification to better understand it because if you guys recall in 18 Nick Gates went on IR and Nick Gates went on IR simultaneously as they were finalizing the 53-man roster but remember Nick Gates was not brought back he spent the entire season on injured reserve and he would have been ineligible to return based on that way he would have had to have made the 18 final roster then be placed on IR to have the opportunity to return. Yeah, no question about it. And again, you have the exceptions too. All right. So, you guys ready to make fools of ourselves with our with our <laughs> final 53 predictions? You ready? Gigantic Absolutely. asterisk next to all of these things. Well, I mean, I'm More not sure so if an than... asterisk. I think it's just this, these are going to be wrong. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. All right. Um, I guess let's go position by position, unit by unit. Let's start with the offense. I know I'm probably going to be different than you two guys on this. I only have two quarterbacks on the final 53, Daniel Jones and Colt McCoy. Yeah, I went with three. I'm keeping Cooper Rush. I think his familiarity with the offense and the fact that Cooper Rush is still a relatively young quarterback that could very well get claimed. And I think he's an asset to be in the QB room. And once again, you just don't know how the coronavirus is going to play out. Under normal circumstances, John, I would be completely with you where you keep two quarterbacks. You've got the veteran in Colt McCoy. You don't ask any questions. And I get it that you could put a quarterback like Alex Tanney on the practice squad because you have six players with no limitation on accrued seasons. I just think this year there's value in having an actual third guy on the 53. So that's why I'm leaning towards retaining Cooper. And by the way, just FYI, I'm putting two quarterbacks on my practice squad, Rush and Tanny, as a just in case. John's not far off on this, Lance. I strongly considered what he said. In fact, you know, I I whipped up my roster in about five minutes and and I really waffled on that one spot. Uh, I went with Rush sticking because you can't be on the practice squad and be on the sideline and on the bench at the same time. Exactly. And I believe that Jason Garrett wants Cooper Rush on the bench mm. in those conversations Fair enough. Yeah, good with point. Daniel Jones. Yeah, and look, I think that's a good point. Frankly, um, I struggled getting down to 53. I had a lot of issues, so I figured 
an easy way for me to get down to where I needed to go was the quarterback, so that's where I went. All right, running backs. Um, and by the way, both of you guys would have a fourth quarterback on the practice squad, correct yes, or no? Yes, Tanny goes to practice squad. Lance? Yeah, I think there's definitely value in having a fourth quarterback. All right, I only have four running backs, and that's including Eli Penny. So I have Penny, Barkley, Lewis, and Gallman. Those are my four uh, running backs. Ditto. I'm with you, too. Okay. I split them up, but it really doesn't make any difference, whether it's three running backs, a fullback, or all four together. Um, I have four tight ends, Ingram, Caden Smith, Levine Toilolo, and then I made Garrett Dickerson my fourth, though I had a tough time picking between him and Tomlinson. I took Tomlinson. I took only three tight ends, so I sacrificed both of those players. I just have Evan, Caden Smith, and Levine Toilolo. Yeah, I only had three at first, lands, and that was a late add for me. That was literally the last addition that I made, adding that fourth tight end. I just feel like Jason Garrett uses the tight end a lot. He'd want to have that fourth guy. And the reason I went with Garrett Dickerson over Tomlinson, Paul, is that I feel like Tomlinson isn't almost like a backup tight end. He's just more like a Levine Toilolo backup. Like, he's not going to replace Ingram, Caden Smith, or Dickerson, right? Because right. he's, he's not a route runner, but he's a blocker. So I don't think you need both guys that are only blockers on the 53. So you put Tomlinson on the practice squad, and then if you need him, if Toilolo goes down, you can bring him up. That's kind of how I looked at it. I don't, I don't have a problem with your reasoning. The bottom line is uh, you're right about Jason Garrett's emphasis on tight ends. Uh, you and I have both had our eyes open, and I think four tight ends is a very wise decision. All right, wide receiver. I went with six. The first four are easy that I think we all agree on. Tate, Shepard, Slayton, Corey Coleman. The last two are tough, and the way I made this decision, guys, is who do I think is most likely to be able to pass due to the practice squad? I worry about Austin Mack, given his pedigree at Ohio State and his size getting to the practice squad. So I put him on the final 53. I think given his size and, and athleticism, he could be a gunner candidate. And then, for the same reason, I put David Sills on the final 53 as well. So those are my six. Uh, Sills, Mack, Coleman, Slayton, Shepard, and Tate. You can go on this one, Lance. Boy, it seems like Paul's struggling with this one, I can tell. Oh, no. That's why. <laughs> I, 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 I was not happy with what I had to do. Sometimes you have to do that. I know. Neither yeah. was I. Go, it was go hard. Ahead. Go well, ahead. I will say this. At one point, this is my second revision. I had seven wide receivers on the initial 53, my initial draft. Then I changed it, and I cut it down to six. I went with Austin Mack as one of my guys. I agree with your rationale, John. I also think he had a really good camp. And I think he warrants a position on the 53-man roster because his versatility, his ability to run routes. And I think you bring up a very good point. If Dave Gettleman said people are going to go back and watch the film, well, Austin Mack went to Ohio State, prominent school. There's a lot of good film out there. He's attractive because of his size and his versatility. So that's why I thought he would solidify a spot. The last guy I went with was I went with Johnny Holton because, guys, I think that they made that signing for a reason. I think that they're concerned with Cody Core going on IR. I think Holton having veteran experience, being a special teamer, being a gunner, I think they feel good that they can have a reliable option to at least step in in the early stages. I was initially going to also have CJ Board on the roster because I thought he'd be a gunner and also a veteran on Jacksonville who may has a little bit more film, could get claimed, but I decided to take my chances. Maybe he passes through waivers and makes the practice squad. So those are the two that gives me six. Well, I went with Mack and Holton also. 
I don't think that Mac uh, gets through waivers, and so he's got to be kept. And by the way, I don't. I'm not convinced that he's actually right now one of the six best receivers on this roster. But I think he might become that, and that goes back to a previous conversation. Yes, we had. and also the fact that he's more likely to get claimed than yes. the other guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Mac makes it on my roster, and there's no doubt that I'm, I'm keeping Holton also because there's a reason he was brought here. Uh, he is a gunner uh, par excellence. That's what he does. That's why he was brought to the roster. He's the new Cody Core. He won't be playing any snaps at receiver. They need someone to get downfield on punt coverage. Uh, yeah. So Holton, Holton yeah. is going to be that guy. Uh, Sills cannot make it because I have no idea what his injury situation is, so I can't trust it. So he's going to be practice squad. Benjamin's going to be practice squad. Bachman's going to be practice squad. And Board's going to be practice squad. I don't think any of those Four, guys have huh? a t- those guys don't have a chance of getting claimed. Yeah, I, I have Bachman, Holton, and Board on my practice squad myself. But you guys make a good point on Holton's special teams, and you might end up being right on that. I might, I might regret my previous decision, but we'll see. Who knows? Offensive line, I went with eight, and the only reason I went with just eight is because you have that option now on game day to bring up that extra offensive lineman from the practice squad to get to, uh, you know, um, to fill out your game day roster. So... I'm taking advantage of that rule so I can fit other guys on my final 53. So uh, this is the eight you would assume it's going to be. It's Thomas, Fleming, Pert, Zeitler, Will Hernandez, Shane Lemieux, Nick Gates. And then I put Spencer Pulley on the final 53, and I think they'll try to get Jalapio and Chad Slade onto the practice squad. All right. Yeah, go ahead, Paul. No, you go ahead. All right. All right. Um, So I went with uh, Thomas, Hernandez, Pulley, Zeitler, Pert, Lemieux, Fleming, Gates, and Smith. I went with nine. Oh, so you put Eric Smith on, huh? I had to. I didn't have a choice because uh, he's an experienced guy who has played tackle before, and I think that they are very concerned about the depth at that position. Okay. I went with nine, too, and I think just the lack of experience for the offensive line warrants perhaps selecting another player. I actually do not have Pulley as part of my nine. I have Jalapio making the 53-man roster, and I could see certainly Pulley returning to the practice squad. I think, you know, this goes back to Paul's point, very much up in the air with a few of these guys because you just don't know their injury health status, and clearly the coaching staff knows more than the rest of us, and they're operating with more intel. If I had a better read right now on Pulley and some of these other guys and where they stand, you know, it would make me feel a little bit more confident in terms of telling you whether or not they're going to pass through waivers, they're going to make the 53 and so forth. And that's also why I think Jalapio was brought back. I think that may have bought into the history of the injuries, the lack of concern with the concern, excuse me, with the lack of experience and so forth. And yeah, I got, I got to, I got to interrupt you here though, because you're talking about, you're concerned about injury problems. Well, Jalapio didn't even go through a training camp. And I'm aware of that. Absolutely. Okay. So, but I also... So what's, what's the odds he steps on the field and immediately gets hurt? I mean, to me, you're safe for putting him on the practice squad because no one in their right mind is going to claim him. And and this way, he's sitting on your practice squad. You bring him up in week two, and then you still have him if you want him. Uh, to me, to put him on a 53, taking a chance that a guy who did not go through training camp could wind up getting hurt right away, that's even more of a gamble, isn't it? No, there's certainly a gamble, but once again, they have a relationship between him, Judge, 
as well as some other assistants going back to their New England days. I think that they monitored Jalapio and were in communication with him in terms of what shape he was in before they signed him. And I don't think the expectation is that he would be the starting center week one anyway because it's a new system. So Nick Gates would be in line to be the starter. And then you have some other interior options that you could go with if need be. And I would think Jalapio, given he's a veteran who's been throughout a course of multiple camps and systems, I don't think it's asking for too much for him to be ready to go perhaps by at least week three or week four. All right. I have 24 offensive players. You guys have 25, both of you? Yes, both have 25. Uh, 26 I have. Oh, you have 26 offense, only 24 defense for you then, huh, Paul? That's, that's what I count. Wow. Okay, so me and you're opposite. That's interesting. All right, let's go to the defense here. All right, defensive line. Um, this is all not. We'll do edge rusher separately. And I only have five defensive linemen here. Leonard Williams, Dalvin Tomlinson, Dexter Lawrence, Austin Johnson, B.J. Hill. Those are my five. That's my count as well. Yep, same. Okay. I couldn't figure out a way to get a sixth guy on there. Sorry, R.J. McIntosh. Maybe we can squeeze you on the practice squad. He would have been my squad. six. Yep. He's practice squad. I agree. Edge rushers. This was really tough, and this is why I ended up with 26 defensive players. I have six guys on this list, and it's probably one too many, but I didn't know who to get rid of. Marcus Golden, Kyler Fackrell, Lorenzo Carter, O'Shane Zimenez, Carter Coughlin, Cam Brown. I grouped all my linebackers together. I didn't separate. I have 10 linebackers. Okay. I have Be- 11. Because I have David Mayo in that group and then going to IR. So that's going to free up a roster spot. And I don't have Coughlin on the final roster. Rounding out the group that you mentioned, I mean, I have Golden, Carter, Fackrell, Zimenez, who you named. I then have Connolly, Crowder, Martinez, Devontae Downs, Mayo, and Cam Brown. That's my 10. So you have, you have Crowder over TJ Brunson, huh? Correct. Mm, yes. Interesting. So do I. Okay. I, I have nine. Um, I went with nine backers. I went with uh, Golden, Fackrell, Zimenez, um, Brunson, Connolly, Martinez, Crowder, Carter, and Downs. So I'm trying to figure out I'm who not you... keep. I'm not keeping Mayo. So you're not keeping Mayo and you're not keeping Carter Coughlin? Mayo can go to IR, and uh, that's the end of him for the season. And Carter Coughlin can go practice squad. I don't. Well, think but remember, Mayo's got to make the roster first, though, Paul, in order to go to IR. Well, I'm going to waive him injured. Okay, oh, so okay. you're not even going to have him on the 53. You're just going to say he's going to pass through right. and then revert I'm, back to IR. I'm waiving IR. him injured, and gotcha. when he gets healthy and rehabs, if he wants to come back to the team, that's perfectly fine. All right, now secondary was tough, and my guess is that we might have a couple guys in this group after Sunday that are not on the team at 4 o'clock on Saturday, given how much they've turned over some of these you know, defensive backs over the yeah. past week and a half. <laughs> I would not be surprised if there are some more changes. But as it stands now, did you guys separate corners and safeties, or do you have them together? I separated. I separated. Okay, so did I. Perfect. All right, cornerbacks. Bradbury, Ballantyne. I put Logan Ryan in this, though we'll do a little bit of both. Brandon Williams, the reported trade for Isaac Yottam. And then I have Jaron Williams as cornerback number six, and he would be the guy in the bubble if somebody else would pop up on waivers that they like. So my corners are uh, Darnay Holmes, Valentine, Bradbury. Oh, I forgot. Uh, Hardage. Okay, you never mind. I forgot <laughs> Darnay Holmes. You can take Jaron Williams off my list and put Darnay Holmes in. Sorry about that. Okay. Whoops. <laughs> I knew I, I forgot somebody. I, that's that's okay. That's okay. There we go. Yeah, uh, and uh, I obviously the uh, the new fellow uh, Yadam from the uh, fr- from the Broncos too. I'm sorry, Paul. Did you have Williams on or off Brandon Williams? Uh, he's off. He's off. Okay. He's off. He's off. So I had I had. Uh, well, let me go back here. Yeah, sorry about that. Hard, Hardage, Bradbury, Yadam, Valentine, Holmes, 
uh, and I wound up with five safeties, Peppers, Love, McKinney, Ebner, and Ryan, because I got Love and Ryan potentially helping me out at corner if I need. So that's why I went with five and five. Lance, what do you got? I've got a total of 10. I've got even five corners and five safeties. And by the way, I think you can qualify Logan Ryan or Hardage at corner or safety. And, you know, so I think those guys can kind of bounce back and forth. Oh, well, they can. Too, that, so. That's why my, my number is yeah. 10. How you want to cut it is of your course. decision. Exactly. Yeah, my and I would agree with that sentiment. They're interchangeable. I put Logan Ryan in with the safeties and I put Hardage in with the corners. But fine. you can put them wherever you want in terms of labels. So in terms of the safeties, five. Peppers, Love, McKinney, Ryan, and Ebner. McKinney then is going to free up a roster spot. Keep that in mind while right. I say that. Then my corners, Bradbury, Hardage, Yadam, Ballantyne, and Holmes. So we have the same 10. Yes, and I have Williams on, and I have Hardage on the practice squad. That That's our difference there. And I think Hardage gets pulled up as soon as Xavier McKinney goes on injured reserve. Yeah, you know, I, who who am I going to pull up from McKinney's spot? That's an interesting one. Um, I, it 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 could wind up being somebody from outside. Uh, it also could very easily wind up being Grant Haley. Yeah, it could be Grant Haley. That's a good point. And then with Mayo, for us at least, for Lance and I, we have Mayo on our final fifty-three. Uh, I think you can even add an offensive player um, for Mayo since I have so many linebackers. I have 11. So I think once you lose Mayo, you might be able to, I might add that ninth offensive lineman back in or maybe even a seventh wide receiver. Depending I was going to say, break it yeah, down. my choice would probably go with the seventh wide receiver when I'm taking Mayo off the roster. And as far as McKinney, you could also make the argument, guys, that McKinney could free up a spot for another position, not necessarily in the secondary, because you know when I was going back and forth and determining how many defensive backs I wanted to keep, I was considering what we talked about earlier. If Julian Love, Logan Ryan, and Hardage are interchangeable at safety and corner, that could free you up by moving those guys around where you don't need to feel, okay, I need six corners or I need six safeties if I could just move those guys around, at least in Patrick Graham's mind. So I wouldn't guarantee that if Mayo and McKinney do make the 53 and they both go on IR, I don't think it's necessarily an even exchange, linebacker for linebacker, safety for safety. I could very well see that opening up the door for a completely different position. You know, Lance, though, and I thought about what you said, but here's the issue there. We know that Joe Judge is a special teams guru, and we know that he wants to win special teams every single Sunday. Well, you know, Fiegels did this study on the amount of snaps and the production by the special teams last year. And already going in, four of the top five giant special teams players from last year are no longer on the roster at all. So he needs to find his core demon special teams guys. Now, Ebner's going to be the number one leader, there's no doubt. So he becomes the Michael Thomas. Johnny Holton becomes Cody Core. So those are going to be your Batman and Robin special teams guys. Okay? Well, now, who is Aquaman and who is Superman as we start to round out the rest of the Justice League? And, and it seems to me that that's, that's where if you're going to add an extra guy because McKinney's got to go IR, it seems to me that that guy's most likely going to be someone from the linebacker or defensive back spot because that guy's going to have to help out on specials, which means a guy like Brunson could be the guy, a Coughlin, a Coughlin, a Coughlin could be the guy, Sean Chandler Sean could Chandler, be that yeah. guy, or maybe maybe Haley, as I mentioned before, because I think it's going to have to be. I don't know who numbers three and four on the special teams unit. 
the guys who are the heartbeat of special teams. I don't know who they're going to be. Who do you think guys? Are, who do you think the return guys are going to be? Coleman on kickoffs, which we really haven't seen him too much at all at camp, which is the funny thing. Does he need to? <laughs> no, he doesn't. Twenty-six no. yards of kickoff uh-huh. return two years I ago. Does he really know. need it? Does he need I to? No, I got you. You know, and I and and on punts. Wow, you know, John. I, I have no idea because he's been putting different guys back there all the time. I don't know what's real, what's not real. So I, yeah. I, I don't even want to venture a guess on either one of these, to be honest with you, because I have no idea. Yeah. He has, and, 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 and we could say this now, camp is over and we're not, we're not giving out any, any strategy moves here. The bottom line is he has split up and shared the punt return duties during training camp more than any other position on the roster. It seems like he's had like eight guys back there who have all taken an even amount of punt returns. And by the way, a lot of the guys that have prominent roles, without naming names, else are on the roster. Well, yeah. You know, guys, I, I don't guys, think guys who have done it before. Right. Okay. Let, mm-hmm. let, let this is not. We're not. Um, we're not giving anything out, John. Look, guys like Peppers, guys like Tate, guys like Sterling Shepard. They have returned punts before in the NFL and in college, so they've had experience doing it. I don't think we're being secretive or or, or giving away anything by saying those would have been guys who have at least fielded a punt during training. Yeah, camp. I do sense we're going to get a phone call at some point from fans like, "Oh my goodness, can you believe you put player X back there? He's going to get hurt," and then Lance is going to. Start yelling at the caller. <laughs> yeah, right. That oh, that's always happened. Yes, that. I do. Which is yeah. why I brought it up. So yes. yeah, I mean this this whole yeah that the the punt return one is the total mystery to me, John. I have no clue yeah, whatsoever. Me neither. Well, but the good news is, guys, there's a lot of options. Oh yeah, I think that's at least promising because you threw out some wide receivers. Darnay Holmes was a return guy in college at UCLA. Okay, yeah, there's another sure. guy. No matter who we're going to throw out here, there are going to be players that probably have prominent roles on offense and defense. What I mean by that is they're going to be guys getting regular snaps well, that's on why offense or defense. The only thing I won't do, I, when I named some of those veterans before, because they've done it in the NFL, they have experience doing it, so it's not a secret. The only thing I will not do is tell you which rookies or which undrafted free agents fielded punts. That I will not do. No, and we're purposely not. We're not. We're not telling anybody. That well, because we can't. Correct. We're not exactly. allowed. Right. Of course. All right. Let's get to the phones at two zero one nine three nine four five one three. Hashtag Giants Chat. We'll open up the phones. We got an open line, but we got two people on hold. So let's get to them. Let's go to Felipe in Queens, who will lead us off on Big Blue Kickoff Live today. Felipe, what's going on? Hey, how are you doing? You hear me? Yeah, we got you. Great. All right, well, it's my first uh, year listening to you guys, and I think it's a great show. Thank you. I want to, uh, I want to, uh, you know, give my encouragement to the team that they think you're going to do well. I have a few questions. One is Barry Slayton. I want to hear more about how he's doing. I feel like he's going to be a huge X factor. I mean, maybe not like a, you know, Saquon Barkley, but uh, or Evan Ingram. But in terms of wide receivers, I saw him last year shine, and I think he's going to be, you know, maybe not Odell, but. Top of, top, of, top of his class in this year, too. Well, I can One tell you, I can tell you, Felipe, very quickly, Slayton had maybe the best day of any wide receiver uh, of all of training camp. But two days ago, I think it was, he caught four deep passes from Daniel Jones during practice, and he really showed off that deep speed. So he definitely, you know, I'm not going to call him quiet early in camp, but he didn't do a ton, but he definitely closed out camp on a real, real high note. Also, I have a question. Um, what's your gut opinions as Giants fans? I know you guys, you know, I've been hearing you and, you know, you're, you're hesitant so on and so forth and understandable, it seems. But what's your gut opinion regarding the, the, the how the team can do this year in terms of, like, their, you know, win-loss? I know that's... 
game. But like, I think that they have a good maybe eight games that they could win. I mean, tough games, but still, you know. Well, I think in terms of the outlook of the team, Felipe, I think what we've said on this program, at least I have said it, and I'm not singing a different tune at this point, regardless of what transpired in camp, the teams that are bringing back their coaching staffs and have rosters that were together for the last four years, especially 2019, certainly have an advantage over a team like the Giants, which has a new staff and a lot of new players and a relatively young roster. So if you just go by paper, they've got an uphill battle from that standpoint. The encouraging aspect for the Giants is they also bring the land of the unknown to the table because nobody really knows what a Jason Garrett Giants offense looks like and what a Patrick Graham Giants defense. So there's going to be a lot of guessing in the early stages playing the Giants. That's their advantage. The other aspect, of course, is, as I've said time and time again on this program, nobody's won back-to-back division titles in the NFC East since the Eagles won four in a row. So there's a lot of turnover in this division. There's probably going to be even more turnover this year, given what's transpired. So you got seven teams that can make the playoffs in each conference. Does that increase the chances of a younger, unknown team? Absolutely. I think if the Giants can remain in contention towards that latter part of November, early December, I think that would be a step in the right direction for a team that has struggled to be mathematically in it in the previous years. But I think a lot is going to depend on how quickly this young roster adjusts to life in the NFL with not having a conventional offseason. And that right now we just don't know because we've never been through this. And the 2011 lockout had a lot of differences as well. So I think in the early stage of the season, you want to see how competitive this team is and hopefully this team stays healthy. If both of those factors play in, then there's no reason why mathematically they can't be in the thick of things as we get into the later stages of the season. And I love the I love the Giants as an underdog. Honestly, when they play as underdogs and they do well, it's always it's always a, it's a good treat. Huh. You know? All right, Felipe. Appreciate the call, my friend. Thank you. Good Thank stuff. Bye bye. Yep. Thanks for the call, Paul. Your thoughts? I mean. I don't know that I could really add much to what uh, to what Lance just said. Uh, there, there's a lot of unknowns here for a lot of different reasons, more so than any other year. Obviously, oh, we're we, in unique circumstances. Yeah, we just what else can you say? We haven't seen them play against anyone else but not themselves. I mean, John, well, how, how many times do I have to tell? And I, and I know the caller's new to the, to the show this year, but I love preseason. I eat it up. I'm like I'm like Emerald at the, in the kitchen. I love preseason. <laughs> And, you know, I didn't get preseason, so I don't know. Well, and the other thing is, I I think the Giants are going to put themselves in a position in the early stages of the season where we're going to learn real quickly about the offensive line, and we're going to learn real quickly about the capabilities of this offense. And that, to me, is not necessarily a bad thing. I'm bringing that up because I think that's a good thing. You're going to get some of the best defenses in the NFL on paper, and some of the best defenses that have continuity from last season. If the Giants' offense could hold its ground in the first quarter of the season, if the line could hold its ground, that to me would be a very encouraging sign of what perhaps is yet to come. If that doesn't go according to plan, then I think, once again, we're going to have a better gauge of the ceiling for this group moving forward. Look, I'll give you one thing that I said on yesterday's show for for those people who, who had not heard it. I think the one thing that that we have to remember about this season, besides the fact that it's probably going to be very shoddy in the first month, we we know already that it usually is, even with preseason. Now that we don't have it, maybe the gap between the really talented teams and the maybe lesser talented teams is going to close a little bit because that's what shoddy play does. 
when, when, when things are unpredictable and things are a little bit haywire and things are a little bit off track and the ball's bouncing around and guys are missing routes and guys are missing blocks and things get a little rocky because everybody is kind of dragged down into the same mud pie, that does tend to close the gap between the haves and the have-nots. So if a team can get off to a 3-1 and one or a 4-0 and oh start, I'm going to tell you right now, folks, that's going to play very, very big when you get down to the end of the season. Hey, every game counts the same, right? It doesn't matter when the game is played. Every game counts the same. 201-939-4513. Let's go to Mike in Virginia. He's up next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's up, Mike? Hey, how y'all doing today, fellas? We're great, man. What's up? Um, question. What separates um, Corey Ballantyne from Grant Haley? Because uh, I'm a big Haley fan, and uh, it just seems like he, he he just seems like he plays the position a little bit better. Uh, Ballantyne last year um, seemed to be getting beat a lot. Yeah, I mean, to and me, Mike. Like- to me, Mike, I, I see Haley as more of an inside cornerback, and I see Ballantyne as more of an outside cornerback. To be honest with you, if you're asking me who do I think okay. the better slot cornerback is, I think it's Grant Haley. Who do I think the better outside cornerback is? I think it's Corey Ballantyne. You know so, what I mean? Okay. With that being said. No, no, I follow you. I follow you. So, he, um, Grant Haley doesn't seem like he can make it as a, um, as a backup slot. You think it, he's more probably a practice squad? Yeah, you know, it's a good question. We saw him, and again, we have to be careful with how we talk about this. But we saw right, him get right, we, right. we we saw him get moved around a little bit at the back end of camp. I think that's fair to say, Paul. Right. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. But we we can't tell you where. So look, I Grant Haley was really when I did my fifty three, he was one of the last guys off that didn't make it. Because here's the thing about Haley, and and I think this is why he's interesting. I think he does struggle sometimes in isolation situations with some of those really quick slot guys, but he's a really good blitzer, and he's a really good tackler. So he's a good football player, but I do think he struggles sometimes staying with quicker guys in space. So we just don't know right now. Another reason we even mentioned this, guys, why this is so tough, Mike, is that we don't know how Joe Judge wants to build his roster. What does he prioritize? What is most important to him? We can make guesses. We can make inferences. But we really uh-huh. don't know until we see him put his roster to, uh, together for the first time. Well, you know, okay. Um, I, was, I was simply going to add ahead. to this, besides the fact that the tools and the skill set indicate that one guy's a better slot guy and one guy's a better boundary guy, as John already uh, pontificated, here's what I will tell you. Pontificate. Well, that's a good word, right? Like <laughs> I, have no, I have no problem with Here, here's, here's, here's the other thing. Here's, here's the other part to the equation that we also don't know. What is Patrick Graham going to do with these yeah, guys? that's a good point. Yeah. He keeps saying right, that he's right. going to play multiple. He keeps saying that he wants versatile guys. He keeps saying, I want all the guys to know everything because I'm going to mix and match it. I'm going to go to specific matchups and play one guy one way and another guy another way, and then this week they're going to change spots. Well, here's the thing. What if he thinks that Ballantyne can actually play two different spots and thinks that Haley, who may be a better slot guy, can't play a second spot. Well, then that, that, makes, okay. that makes the decision easy, right? Yep, just piggybacking yeah, off you. of Paul's point, and I agree wholeheartedly with you, Paul. I think it's not so much a reflection of Grant Haley's play. It's more about how you're going to utilize the roster. And if you have Logan Ryan, Julian Love as well as Darnay Holmes, who are all options in the slot. And then I would say Isaac 
Yadam also is a possibility based on how he was utilized in Denver. So if you already have four guys that you can move around, then you need to ask yourself a question. Is it worth keeping a guy on the roster where we can only put him in one spot and we can't maximize, maximize him as much as the other guys? So, you know, that numbers right. game, that numbers crunch is a big part of how they make yeah. the decisions on who makes the 53 as opposed to we just don't think the guy has upside. It's more of... You're only able to keep 53 guys. We want to make sure we have as much versatility and upside with those 53. Yeah, Mike, and Mike, to Lance's point, I think Logan Ryan's Ryan's addition hurts Halley because I think they replicate themselves a little bit there. I think the bottom line that every fan must realize when these cuts come down for every single one of these NFL teams is that, in all honesty, these teams are not keeping the best 53 players. They're keeping the best 53 players who fit their circumstances. Well, I think the best 53 guys that create the best team, right? Again, fits right. their now, circumstances. What, about, what do you think about with safeties? As far as if they, if they run three safety uh, setup, who's in the box, who's are strong, who's are free? Oh, I think they're going to interchange those. They're, they're going to be flip-flopped on a, oh, on a okay. matchup basis. Yeah. I don't think they're always going to be the same. I, I think, don't. Okay. My guess, though, is more, and see if you disagree with me, Paul, more often than not, I think Peppers will be close to the line of scrimmage. I think Ryan will okay. be in that slotty area or in maybe in the box, too, and I think Love will be deep more often than not. That would be my guess. I don't yeah. know if that's going to be the case, but I think that'll be the most frequent alignment. Is that fair, you think? Uh, potentially. <laughs> I mean, I th- again, I think it's going to change week to week. Right. I think on some weeks, one guy's going to be real heavy in one spot, and then he'll be heavier in another spot the next week. And by the time the season is over, it's going to be more about who matched up in certain spots more often. And that's going to be why a certain right. guy has more snaps in that spot. It won't be because necessarily they wanted to put him there. It's because, well, in certain matchups, that's where he needed to be. And again, by the way, folks, that is not me making that opinion based on what I've seen at practice and where guys line up. I'm talking about just right. based on their history and their skill sets and, and, and what they've done in the past. Mike, finish up. What else you got? No, that's it. Appreciate it, fellas. No, appreciate the call, well, Mike. Great call. I appreciate it. You too, man. Thanks for calling in. Thanks for being part of the show. But, yeah, look, and to me – the way I see it, I, I probably, again, just based on how he's used in the last year, I know it's a different staff, but I thought he played well in the spot. I see Love as more safety than corner at this point. Given they have Holmes here and Logan Ryan, I see those guys as options in the slot before I see Julian Love there. Paul, do you think that's fair? I think that's fair. Yep. Lance, thoughts? Yeah, I would agree, too. I think Logan Ryan, and we've talked about this earlier in the week in terms of how he was utilized in New England and Tennessee. He's also a guy that is coming off a career year in multiple categories where he had, I believe, four and a half sacks. So, you know, there's value in keeping him close to the line of scrimmage because he's more than capable of blitzing. When you take all of that into consideration, I think that Ryan as well as Peppers are probably going to be the guys utilized in safety in, 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 in the slot, I should say, excuse me, and near the line of scrimmage more so than Julian Love. But I think they're going to keep teams guessing, and I think a lot of it is going to be matchup-oriented. I think a lot of it is going to be dictated, guys, on the opposing tight end that they face each week because I think that goes into Patrick Graham's thinking in terms of how he wants to utilize linebackers and safeties as well as corners. So expect guys to be moved around, but... 
Ryan is a jack-of-all-trades type of player. That's his true value, where, you know, you feel good about moving him into various spots and you're not throwing him into uncharted territory because Tennessee certainly didn't shy away from that based on how he played in Dean Pease's defense. And I could tell you the Tennessee secondary was banged up for the majority of the first half of the season. So they really needed to tap into Ryan's skill set. And I think Patrick Graham is not going to shy away from doing the same thing. Sorry about that, folks. I'm sure you heard. I'm screening calls today, so that's what you heard about two minutes ago. I forgot to mute the mic before I screened the call. <laughs> um, and God bless. We're doing the best we can, everybody. We all have it's to juggling. multitask here. It, it's, that's what it's going to be Well, it's like Logan Ryan, long. John. It's a renaissance <laughs> man performance. You do a little bit of everything. Hey. Hopefully someone can show up at my door with the contract that they gave Logan Ryan. That'd be nice. Um, <laughs> we'll work on that. Yes, thank you. I appreciate it. All right, so we got three calls. we got about eight minutes. Let's get everybody in. We'll take you in the order in which you called in. So it'll be Scott, Lennon, Quinn. Let's go to Scott in New Mexico first. Scott, what's going on? Scott, go ahead. Scott, hello. Scott going once. Well, I guess Scott's Scott went in very few words. Okay, let's try Len in Columbia, Maryland. Let's Len cut Scott off to glom his time. What's up, Len? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. There you go. What's up? Hey, thanks, guys. Hey, always a always a you know always a fun couple of days trying to pick these guys. Appreciate all the work that you uh, you know have done on that. Um, so I, I guess it's my turn to participate pontificate paul you are very and, good uh, at pontificating len that is one of your strengths i know i know i am i know i, I know I, am. <laughs> um, I i think I, I i think what i have heard you guys say is that while it will be exciting to see that first 53 at four o'clock tomorrow afternoon that probably by the following wednesday we're going to see six seven eight changes to that 53. Ooh, i don't know that's too many. i don't think we're seeing that yeah, many i don't i don't think too this many. year I, I think if we see it this year like we did the last like remember Shermer's first year i think we saw like five or six new guys i don't think it's going to be that drastic this year i really don't okay okay i'm i'm going to i'm going to predict we're i'm going to predict we're going to see seven or eight transactions before next wednesday um you, you know the way i approach the roster um, real quick i went 24 offense, 24 defense, five special teams. And that's, that's the three specialists, Ebner, who's probably not going to play it down as a safety. Right. And, um, and uh, Holton. Um, I'm, I'm not going to in any way pretend that Holton is an NFL receiver. I mean, he's, he's just not. His record, he's been with four or five teams. Uh, you can look at his stats. Um, he's a special teams guy, and we need that. I mean, we need somebody to replace Cody Core. So I'm, I'm counting those five guys um, as special teams players and then going with the, uh, you know, 24 on offense, 24 on defense. Um, regarding Dickerson, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not a tremendous fan of Dickerson, but the one thing that worries me about losing contact with Dickerson is if Ingram goes down, we, we have no – I mean, we've got to eliminate 10 pages in the playbook. I, I mean, none of those other tight ends are going to be able to do – anything near what Ingram was doing. And so the only guy who can get in there, even if it's just for one game, is, um, you know, Dickerson. So I'm, I'm hoping that somehow they hang on, you know, they hang on to him. Um, McIntosh, you know, I, I think the guy can play in the NFL. It, it's, just, it's just the wrong team. And I think he's going to go somewhere. And he's going to be a good player. I mean, he just doesn't fit a 3-4 defense. I, I never understood the pick to start with, not because he wasn't talented, but we had just picked Hill two picks earlier, and I just wasn't sure they, what they were going to do with McIntosh. And at 285 pounds, I'm not sure he can play in a 3-4 defense. 
he's probably better suited for a 4-3, and I think he'll land somewhere and be a good player. I'm, I'm glad all you guys hung on to Cam Brown. A little bias here. He comes from down the street from where I live. I followed his career right from the beginning, and uh, I think he's going to be a good hybrid linebacker, uh, you know, a third-down guy. Keep well, he's his, practice squad for me, Just remember that. I, I didn't keep him. He's practice squad for me. Uh, I, I'll tell you, we're going to lose him. We're going to lose I him. I don't think. Somebody's going to pick. Think, I now, I don't know. You might, we may not. You know, we may not care about that. But I think we lose Brown if we expose him to waivers. Hey guys, thanks for all your work. I really appreciate it. It's been a, been a great off season. You guys have made it better under trying circumstances. Thank I really you, do appreciate it. And uh, here we go. I'm excited to see that first 53. And let's go, Giants. Yeah. Let's get ready for the Steelers. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Len. Appreciate the call. Next week, we'd actually talk a real, about a real football game, Giants and Steelers, which will be fun. By the way, we are going to have a special Giants Huddle podcast coming your way uh, tomorrow late afternoon. The three of us will make fun of each other for how bad our 53-man roster predictions were, <laughs> and then we'll look even worse when a day later things change again and we are wrong again. So that'll be fun. So stay tuned late afternoon tomorrow. We're going to record it probably right around 4 o'clock when, uh, when the rosters get set. And we'll do a little three-way chat about that. So stay tuned for that in the Giants huddle tomorrow. All right. Uh, we have Quinn and Scott left. Scott dropped, so I'll put Quinn ahead of him in line very quickly. Quinn, what's going on, man? How are you guys doing? Um, I just wanted to call and ask a couple questions about the offense. Sure, I know they're away. not uh, really, really letting much out this offseason, which honestly I love. I think the, you know, this, this new, you know, keep it close to the vest thing, it's, it's great. Um. But my question was, I, I'm, I really love Caden Smith, and I feel like people are looking past him. When he came in and whenever Neighbor was out, he seemed like he stepped in. Huh? No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Quinn. Oh, no, you're good. You're fine. You're good, yeah. Um, so just a real big fan of Caden Smith, and I was just wondering, um, have they been using him at all? I know that maybe you might not be able to say, say much, but is he going to be involved? Because I just feel like – him and Evan Ingram truly could be two top tight ends, you know, together like that. Because I just I think Caden Smith has a lot of potential. Well, I agree with you. I really liked what Caden Smith did in the latter part of last season when, unfortunately, Evan got hurt. You saw his numbers. You see what he could do as a blocker. Unfortunately, we haven't been exposed to seeing the two of them on the field in a regular season game. I think. The one thing you could take away is it goes back to the conversation we had earlier and how Jason Garrett utilized tight ends. And I think that he thinks the tight ends could play an integral role within this offense when Jason Winnen was the mainstay there. Blake Jarwin, little by little, started to carve out a bigger role. And then when Winnen retired, Jarwin's role became even bigger. So I think he understands how to balance multiple tight ends. Earlier, Len, I believe, brought up the fact that if Evan got hurt, nobody else has Evan's skill set, and I don't think that's a stretch, but I think Caden Smith has proven he could fill in and be a very productive tight end. So if you can have both of them on the field at the same time, you can have Caden block, you can have Evan run routes, and that gives you even more options for the offensive line as well as the route tree, and I think that to me is an encouraging aspect, but the hope that you should go by as we start to speculate what this offense is going to look like, is the fact that 
the offensive coordinator of the Giants understands the value of the tight end. The Cowboys' tight end was a big part of their offense, of and I find it hard that he's going to just simply abandon that even though he has some different personnel now. You know what blows my mind about Caden Smith? We watched him last year, and I think we all like him, but, but he averaged less than 10 yards a catch, and I think that that's probably where he's going to sit in the NFL, a 10- or 11-yard-a-catch kind of guy. Last year, I think he was under 9 yards a catch, to be frank with you. But at Stanford, when he was there as a sophomore, he averaged 18 yards a catch. And then his following season, before he left, he averaged over 13 yards a catch. And that says to me, wait a minute, what, what, what happened here? Why was he much more of a vertical threat at Stanford and not so much a vertical threat here? Is that something that maybe they need to look into and they maybe can tap into? Or does he just not have the skill set that translates to the NFL, doesn't have the elusiveness or the speed or the quickness that at this level he's never going to be the threat he was when he played at Stanford? Because those those average per catch numbers are a heck of a lot more eye-opening than what he's done with the Giants. We're getting late here, Quinn. If you, um, uh, if you have a second question, fire away. We'll get to it. Um, and I just wanted to say, second quick question was that uh, with the Giants wide receivers, it seems like the whole offseason they were just getting so much disrespect, it felt like. Everybody was like, we need to draft a receiver. We need to. And I know that injuries happen, but you really can't project an injury and just say that this guy's going to get hurt, so we need to get this guy. So how do you guys feel about the, the top three receivers with Slay or Slayton? Um, Golden and Shepard, because I, I'm in love with them once again. I think they're an amazing trio, but uh, I, I guess what's your guys' take on that? Uh, good, good question. Look, I, look, we've talked about this a lot. I think the weapons are more than good enough. You don't have that number 1A superstar unless Darius Lane can develop into that guy, but that's fine. These guys can all get open. They all are good route runners. They have a varied skill set. They can play inside and outside when it comes to, to, to Shepard and Tate. I think guys will get open, especially with Evan Ingram and Saquon Barkley, as guys that are nearly impossible to cover one-on-one from linebackers. I think the weapons are fine. I think guys are going to get open. And look, and, and look, Giant fans I know have complained to me. They, they think Bill Barnwell is always out to kill the Giants, and they hate him. Even he rated them, uh, I think, what, top five, top six weapon unit in terms of offense mm-hmm. in the league. So, mm-hmm. guys, they have, they have enough there. They really, really do. Toughest position to cut. Toughest position to cut. It's deep. I think just durability is the biggest question mark yeah. for that group. Yeah. The problem is we didn't have all five guys on the field at the same time last season. So there's still a little bit of an unknown what they can all do simultaneously when they're together. Yeah, and Shepard and Ingram, of course, had the injuries last year. Tate yeah. was the suspension. And the funny thing is that Tate's always been healthy, right? He's the guy that's always been healthy throughout his career, never gets hurt. And now he's dealing, you know, he's a little nicked up right now. So we'll have to see whether or not he's ready to go in uh, week number one. So. All right, final call of the show is Scott in New Mexico. Scott, you are very patient. I appreciate it. What do you got for us? No problem. Uh, great analysis today, guys. My question is about the practice squad. Uh, with all the wacky shenanigans going on, uh, there are a lot of teams that are going to be looking for players. Uh, how assured is it more important now that the Giants are very careful about who they put or who they portend to put on the practice squad? Use the example I, I think before. I don't know if it was Paul or, or Lance in regards to whether Halapio would wind up on the practice squad or not. But if you have teams like Miami and uh, Arizona, which are young teams looking for veterans, or I don't know what they're doing in Jacksonville, but uh, you know Jacksonville's going to be looking for players, uh, and all teams will. But the point being, do you have to be more careful this year 
in who you expect will actually remain on the practice squad because I think a lot of players won't clear waivers. And I was just curious what your opinion was of that. And have a nice weekend, guys. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate it. Paul, why don't you field that one? Uh, I mean, I, I don't know that there's anything more we can say. That the, the various factors involved in practice squad this year are, are infinitely more than they were before. I will just go back to the one thing about the practice squad that I will say. I've been in favor of putting experienced veterans on that list for a long, 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 long time. I am thrilled that there are now six unencumbered, unrestricted veterans allowed to go to the practice squad. I love it. I love the fact that you're going to be able to promote guys without putting them back on waivers because of the pandemic. Uh, If there's a COVID situation, I love that too. I love the fact that you can protect four practice squad guys each and every week, although each player can only have two protected weeks for the season. Um, You know, anything that that can allow you to keep more guys in your locker room and restrict player movement is a good thing. One thing that I just want to add, just for clarification purposes. Real quick, clock's ticking. Yeah, four years less than that, you go through waivers in the NFL. More than four years of accrued seasons, then you just get released and you could sign with anybody. So, for example, Spencer Pulley, and I'm just using a hypothetical. I'm not saying this is going to happen. If the Giants decided to part ways with Spencer Pulley, Pulley doesn't go through waivers because he's had more than four years in the NFL. He's a street free agent. Correct. But that's important to note because a younger guy is going to have to go through waivers, meaning you go through the draft order of last season. You go down the draft order. A free agent immediately gets released he then could sign with anybody. So there's no guarantee you get him back on the practice squad. The reason I'm bringing that up is to answer Scott's question. Yeah, I think you got to think twice about a veteran who meets that criteria because then he could pretty much go wherever he wants. When you put a guy through waivers, then it's a little bit more of, okay, nobody wanted him, we get him back. Street free agent, a little bit different. Those dynamics need to be taken into consideration. And I'll just say in general that I think the waiver process will be a lot slower this year uh, over the weekend and also um, over the course of the season. Because, again, we have, we played that cut from Dave Gettleman earlier. You know, guys, it just takes some time to get into the program because of all the protocols and everything like that that they have to go through. Gentlemen, it was fun. We'll talk to you tomorrow on the Giants Huddle. Sounds good. It. For Paul Dottino on Lance Meadow, I'm John Schmelk. Thanks for being with us on Big Blue Kickoff Live, which you can find on Giants.com. The Giants mobile app and the archive can be found on all your favorite podcast platforms. Thanks for being with us, everybody. Enjoy your weekend. Next time we talk, we will have the final 53. We will be previewing the Pittsburgh Steelers on Monday, and we'll talk about how bad our final 53 predictions were tomorrow on the Giants huddle. Make sure you stay tuned. Thanks for being with us. We'll talk to you later. Enjoy your holiday Labor Day weekend, and stay safe, everybody.